Well, good morning. Would you grab your Bibles with me this morning? I'd like you to turn with me, if you would, to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 26, verse 31. You will know this verse as soon as I read it. Matthew chapter 26, verse 31, says this. The letters are in red. It says, Jesus told them this very night, you will fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Let me read that again. I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Would you bow with me in a word of prayer? Father, I thank you again that your word is unlike any other word that exists on the planet. It's a living word. It literally has the power to destroy strongholds. It has the power to reveal lies to be lies and to replace it with truth and bring freedom. I thank you, Father, that you have given us your spirit, which is the power to unlock what your word says. And Holy Spirit, I thank you again that you have prepared every heart and every mind for the seed that is going to be sown today. Before we begin, Father... I ask for a fresh possession. Holy Spirit, would you take literal possession of me, my mind, my mouth, every part of me, just flow through me. I surrender myself for you to flow through today. And with the authority that you have given in the name of Jesus, I bind up every demonic bird and I command you to release every person and be outside the walls of this building, every demonic power that would keep this word from being understood and even heard. I declare that ears are loose today in Jesus' name. That today people will hear things that they have never been able to hear before. And Father, as you speak, that people will hear things from you that I'm not even going to say. Let them hear it and capture it. Because we do believe that one word from you can change everything. I release a grace, Father, in this place today over the word that is going to be sown. Father, I believe that you have prepared every one of us for what's coming. And so today we declare that our heart is fertile soil. The seed will find a place to go in. It will go deep. I declare roots will grow deep and strong. And I declare a harvest off this seed. Giving you the praise and the glory. In the powerful name of Jesus we pray. And everybody said, Amen. I need a couple people to help me before we... uh, I need a couple people who've got good lungs to blow up a couple balloons. I'm going to hit the front row first. Terry, you got good lungs? Yes, you do, brother. Can you just blow that one up? Shirley, you got good lungs? You got good lungs? Mary, you're avoiding eye contact, aren't you? I see exactly what you're doing. Gene, can you do one of the... Josh, you got good lungs? You got good lungs? You're a swimmer? Kevin? Sorry to interrupt you. Anybody else? I just need a couple more. Yeah. Mary, you can do it. Who's got good? Karen, did you? Good. Okay, when you get them blown up, if you can just bring them to the front, tie them off, and just bring them to the front, and I just need to stick them on the, uh, stick them on the board here. I got tape. This is not a race, but hurry. Before, uh, before we get going, I want to... I wanna, tell you the ending of the message before we get going, and I'm just going to lay it straight out there. Uh, Being Father's Day, I am going to share with you what I as a father need from you in order for me to be the kind of father that God intends for me to be. And as I share this, it's not just going to be what I need from you, but what every father is needing in order for us to be what God called us to be. That's the end of the story. I'm going to be speaking into fathers today, but more specifically, I'm going to be speaking into those who have fathers, which is all of us, and what God is calling us to do in order to empower or to build up our dads to be what they're meant to be, our husbands to be what we need them to be. And so I just want to let you know that before, uh, before we get going. Um, I want to begin by telling you, and I need to find my... We don't... Um, I want to tell you, we don't... In men's group, one of the, one of the rules we have is we don't talk about, we don't take outside of men's group what goes on in men's group, and I'm not going to betray 
uh, anything personal. But I do want to share with you something that a number of, probably a month and a half ago, maybe two months ago, that took place that just impacted me powerfully. And the Holy Spirit has used it and just brought it back, and I, I need to begin by sharing it today. One of the questions when we begin with men's group is I always ask the, the men a question, and we all go around and we share something. Last time it was what your favorite color is and why. Um, one is what's the biggest vehicle accident you've ever been in and describe the whole deal and what happened. How many bones have you broken? Like, I, just, we just want to know personal things, right? So about two months ago, I asked the question. I said, when you were growing up, what did you want to be? You know, did you want to be a fire truck? Did you want to be an ambulance? Did you want to be, you know, what, what did you want to be? For me, I, I grew up and I, I mean, as a kid, I wanted to be an ambulance driver. I wanted to be able to speed legally. And honestly, so that, that is what I mean. I would see the ambulances flying down the road. They'd have their lights and sirens on. And inside of me as a kid, the, the speed thing just attracted me. Well, the truth is I never became an ambulance driver, but I did speed, not legally, and lost my license twice, and eventually I learned by the love of God not to speed anymore, but we won't get into that whole thing. So anyway, I asked a question, I said, so what did you want to be when you grew up? And so one by one, the men, and there was 20-some of us that day, one by one, the men went around the room and they just shared, went back and said, as, as a kid, this was inside of me. But I want to tell you what impacted me, and it was beautiful to hear some of the things, but what impacted me is... I heard it over, and then I heard it again, and then I heard it again, where a man would bring up and say, when I was a kid, um, this is really what I wanted to do. And, and one guy just made a statement. I won't say who he is, but one guy made a statement and said, I love to draw. And I would just, I would doodle, and I would draw. And, and I, when I grew up, I really wanted to be an artist, but I showed my pictures to my dad, and my dad said, oh, you will never be an artist. And the man said in that moment, he said, when his father spoke to him and popped the balloon of his dream, he said, needless to say, in that moment, I never drew again. And another man spoke and said, when I grew up, I, music was something that I, I just loved. And my dad said, Mary! Give Mary a hand. We needed that balloon. But his dad said, there's no career in music. Spend your time and get a trade. He said the moment his dad spoke that to him, he said he put down his instrument, never played an instrument again. And we went around the room as every man shared and it was incredible. What impacted me is the power of a father's spoken word into their child, a single word like a fiery dart that hit their dream and killed it. And that little boy went, I'm giving it up. I want to tell you, and I'm going to say this really carefully because of the little ears that are here. A man has the ability to go down to the uh, store. Thanks, Ken. The ability to go down to a store and to buy a car, we can drop the money on the table, but that man can drive the car home and have no clue how to fix it, how to run it, how to maintain it. You can buy it, but you don't know how to look after it. A man has the ability to get married or not even get married and use his physical organs in order to plant a seed and give birth to a child. He can do that physically but have no clue how in the next 18 years to be what he needs to be for that child to grow up and become all that God intended them to be. You can sire a child but have no skill to be a father. And that day, I sat in that room and I listened over and over as a father's words popped the balloon of people's dreams and they ended up, and, and even as grown men, they look back and go, I loved to do that and it killed it. I loved to do it and it killed it. And I thought, the power of a father's words on a child life, if a father is wounded, he is going to wound. You know this because we've talked about it before on Mother's Day in prisons all across the globe. Every prisoner wants a card. The cards come in there by the hundreds. They are shipped out by the hundreds. They go all over the place. On Father's Day, it is an absolute lockdown day. There are no Father's Day cards that are given because the majority of men and women inside of prisons are carrying a father wound that leaves them bitter, broken, hurt, 
nothing to do with Father's Day. It is written, the studies have been done all over the place. It's crazy. This past week, I sat down with a father and son. They're not connected to this church at all. I make sure that in my ministry here, I I limit myself. Normally, I only will spend time counseling one or two people outside the church at a time. I don't want to take up a lot of time, but I do. The door opens, and I take time to counsel. I sat down this week with a father who was in his 70s. The son was in his 40s. And we were in a public setting, and as we were having a conversation, it didn't take long for it to heat up between the father and son, and pretty soon the son stood up and was swearing at his father and walks out the restaurant, and everybody who's sitting around there is, is hearing this whole interaction. And I sat there with a 70-year-old father who just broke down in tears going, I have no clue what to do. My, my toolbox is empty. I don't know what to do with my son. a son that carries incredible wounds from his father, the father reaping what he has sown in his son's life, and now he's in a place going, I don't know how to fix this. I don't know what to do for my son. I don't know what to be what my son needs me to be. I want to tell you really bluntly, God's design is a good design. And let me just describe it for you. This is what it was meant to be in the Garden of Eden. He created man and woman. He put them together. In the context of a love relationship, they were supposed to give birth to a child. That child was supposed to be raised in the context of a loving relationship between mom and dad. That child growing up, knowing only security, knowing only love, growing up, loving themselves, getting to a point where out of that love, they're able to enter into a relationship themselves, love their partner, and begin the cycle all over. That was God's plan A. Can I tell you that if I'm the enemy, I'm going to look for a way to mess up that plan. I'm going to look for a way to make sure that that gets messed up so that anybody in that plan is going to come out of it and God's best is not going to be reached. Somehow it's going to be distorted. Let me tell you if I was the enemy, what I would do. And I tell you, it's written in scripture. Jesus made the statement about himself and said, strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. He was talking about himself the night he got betrayed. But can I tell you, As the enemy, if I were to look at a family, I'm going to go, I'm going to strike the shepherd. I'm going to strike the man of the home. I'm going to strike the father because if I get the father, everybody else's life is going to be affected by it. I want to tell you a lie from the pit of hell. We've all bought it. We've all said it. We've bought cards. We even say it jokingly. We put it in our homes. They go, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Can I tell you, that is a lie from the pit of hell. The enemy's design is not to strike mama. The enemy's design is to strike the shepherd. Because you strike the shepherd, mama's going to be affected. The babies are going to be affected. The generations after are going to be affected. And you got a shepherd doing that to a shepherd. Shepherd, pretty soon, they're going to take all of the stuff God intended for their kids and they're going to be popping all those dreams, popping the self-worth, popping the self-love, and it just goes generation after generation. You strike the shepherd. That whole concept about if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Let let me tell you, Abraham bought it. Got to keep Sarah happy. Got to keep mama happy. So I'll sleep with her little servant girl to keep mama happy. And today we have a conflict between two people groups that have been there forever. Can I tell you? He should have went, no, it's not about keeping mama happy. It's about keeping God happy. I want to tell you what you already know. We live in a day today, and it's been there for a long time, but we live in a day today where fatherhood is under attack. Fatherhood has been under attack. Fatherhood, and, and let me just say, how many shows do you watch where the father in the show is the stupidest person on the show? They're the dumbest ones. They're the stupidest ones. They don't have the answers. The kids are smarter than, than dad. The, the wife is smarter than dad. Dad is the dumb one. Dad's the stupid one. How many cartoons do you watch where the father, the father image is the idiot in the cartoon and the child is the savior? Have you ever heard anybody say, if you're going through a marital conflict and going to court, you don't want to be a man. You don't want to be the father. Because when you go into court, you're going to lose. Everything in the system is against the father. Everything in the system is toward the mother. It is all against the father. Some of you know exactly what I'm saying. I want to tell you honestly, it is not easy in this world when everything is against you. It is not easy to be a father. I don't want any of you men to raise your hands and go, man, this is just a piece of cake. Yeah, 
I got my wife pregnant. We had a kid, and I just knew. I just knew how to be a dad, and I'm a great dad, and I've never messed up. I've never done it. It's just that there isn't a man in this room that would go, yeah, that's me. This has just been cakewalk. The design was that you and I would have a father over us who is healthy, who would pour into our life, and that me as a son would have a father that I can relate to, that he can model for me, a father that could be there, a father I could turn to. He would be the one that would show me how to do this thing and train me up. The truth is the vast majority of dads are orphans in this job. We produced them, but our toolbox is very sparse when it comes to raising them. For the sake of time, I'm not going to ask you to share. But if we had a lot of time, I would ask you dads to go, who has been your greatest support in you being a dad? Who has poured into you? Who has taught you? Who has modeled for you? Who has corrected you? Who has been there? Who has empowered you to be the best, most healthiest dad that you could possibly be? Do you know what the majority of men will say? There's been no one. This has been a Lone Ranger journey. I want to tell you, I fully believe that God knew what would happen, not only just in our generation, but I believe he knew down through time. I believe that he knew that generationally the curse was going to affect people down, down, down. I believe that he said, you know what, there's got to be a second family because most of the natural families can't do it. There's got to be a second family who can pick up the job and empower fathers to be who they were meant to be. What I'm going to tell you this morning, I, I, I want you to hear really clearly, I believe that the church has a role in empowering us as dads to be the shepherd, to be the priest, to be the king, to be what we're supposed to be in our home. I believe the church has a massive role to do that. I believe you women have a massive part in doing that to empower us to be, because the truth is, when I am what I'm supposed to be, Jane is going to be okay. When I am what I'm supposed to be, my kids are going to be okay. But if I'm not what I'm supposed to be, she's affected, they're affected, everything is affected. I want to tell you something that just is not fair. I don't understand it. It is not fair. I don't like it, but it is the truth statistically. And I'm going to say this not as a curse because I know that a number of you are single moms. You're raising up your children the best you can. Your heart is to pour into your kids. But let me tell you the influence the way God made it. Inside of a home when the mother is a believer and the father's not, there is a 15% likelihood that her children will go up and serve the Lord. In a home where the father is the believer, whether the mother is or not, if the father is the believer, there is an 85% likelihood that the children growing up at home will become believers. You tell me why the impact of a father's model is so much more powerful than that of a mother's model. Now, I can tell you God can override that. God uses godly moms all the time. I mean, don't, don't, don't despair at all. If there isn't a godly man inside your home, if you're not married to a godly man, or if you're separated, don't despair. God can override that. All I'm saying is God built in a power and an authority inside of a father that doesn't seem fair. But can I say, if the father is healthy, I'm so glad it would be that way. So what I need to share with you, what God laid upon my heart is to say, okay, How do we encourage dads to be what they're meant to be? How do we blow air into their balloon to be what they're meant to be? How do we cause them to rise up and become what they're meant to be? How do we help them be what their fathers were not? I want to tell you really straight, my my prayer is that my sons will be better dads than I am. That's my prayer. I remember when my father said to me, we had a relationship that had to deal with wounds and God opened up the door and we became closer because I didn't need my dad anymore. I transferred to my heavenly father that allowed me to be in relationship with my dad. Truthful, we ended up with an amazing relationship. But I remember my dad saying to me one time, he goes, call. He says, you're a great husband. You're a great father. He says, you did far better than me. That's quite a powerful statement. The truth is when we come to Christ, Christ is to make us better fathers than our own fathers were, better husbands than our dads were to our wives. That's what Christ is all about, coming inside of us and doing better with us than we ever experienced. And I want to tell you, it's not just about fathering. I'll tell you honestly and give God all the glory. Jane and I experienced a marriage that my mom and dad never did, that her mom and dad never did. We are at an absolute different level in our marriage than they ever experienced. They know it. We know it. We are so thankful for it, but our prayer is our kids will even experience more. 
But I want to tell you bluntly, in this world, I need some things in order to be the kind of dad that I'm meant to be. There are things that I need from people who surround me. I need that. I'm going to say this really carefully. The mentality often is, well, the women need our support. The women need our encouragement. The women need our prayer. And somehow the man gets forgotten over here like he's an island. He can do it all on his own. No, can I tell you, it almost should be the other way around. That if the man is okay, if the man is looked after, if the man is healthy, if the man is all God intended him to be, everything else is going to fit into place. If you have your bulletin, I want you to write down a few things this morning. I'm just asking you to write it down because when your hand puts it on the pen and it comes into your head, walking out the door, 85% more will be retained. If all you do is listen to me, you're going to walk out with about 3% unless you're incredibly smart, much smarter than me. But I challenge you to write this down just to lock it inside of you. What you do with it between you and the Lord after is totally fine. I want to just have you six things. Would you write down number one? Would you just write down the word war room. What is the name of the movie that we have seen in our lifetime that has made the term war room? It's been around forever, but it has brought war room into every home in our Christian world. What's the movie? War room. Isn't that profound, hey? How many of us have not seen the movie War Room? We have not seen the movie, okay? I challenge you in the next how many days, weeks to go and see the movie War Room. The powerful part of that is a wife who is battling for her husband, who is going astray. Their relationship is going apart. She has an older woman mentor who mentors and shows in her room that she had this room totally set up to be a prayer room. She would enter into that room and she would begin to war in the heavenlies for her husband who was potentially being unfaithful. She would go in there and war on behalf of him and ask God to do a work in him that she could not do in him. That war room became a place of transition. That movie was absolutely powerful. I believe God used that movie to wake up the whole power of prayer and saved a pile of marriages as a result of it. Can I just say to you, every father needs to have those who enter into the war room and war on his behalf, pray for him on a regular basis, go into the heavenlies and say, God, I'm surrounding this man. I'm asking that you would do things in him that nobody else can do. I believe prayer to God on behalf of a father is one of the most powerful things you can do. Can I just say, we've talked about this before, there are some people that when I say to them, how many people do you know are praying for you every day? They go, I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody who's praying for me. I've often thought that I would love to have a prayer meter and I would love to plug it into people who do pray for me and I would love to see how powerful, how effectual their prayer is. I think we'd often be shocked by God. Oh my goodness. They say they pray, but it's like a a 30 second deal and then they're on to something different. I don't know how fathers can be what we are intended to be without having those who war and intercede on our behalf. I need that. But can I just lay the foundation first of all? For those of us who have dads, I don't believe that anybody, maybe other than our moms, but I don't believe there's anybody who should be praying for our dads more than us as kids. I don't believe, I don't believe there should be anybody, whether they're believers, whether they're not believers whether they're healthy or not healthy, I don't think there's anybody who should be praying for our fathers the way that we're praying for our fathers. They should be at the top of the list going, if dad ain't happy, if dad ain't healthy, if dad's not doing it right, everything generationally is going to be affected. God, I'm warring on behalf of my dad. I don't believe that I can be the kind of father that I'm supposed to be without that kind of prayer cover, without that kind of support. So I just want to lay that as a foundation when it comes to encouraging when it comes to empowering our dads to be what they're meant to be, would you just write down war room and let the Holy Spirit speak to you? Second one is this. Would you just write down the word past wounds? Past wounds? I'm going to say this very carefully, and you need to be spirit-led when you do this. I don't think there is one man alive on the planet who grew up and did not have a wound of some kind, a hurt of some kind. None of us grew up in perfect homes. My kids didn't. I didn't. Every person carries a wound. There's something about us men that makes it so that we don't want to go to doctors. Is that true? Something in us men that makes it so that even when we have struggle, we don't want to go to counselors. Isn't that true? 
There's something in us, man, that makes us think that we can fix everything on our own, that we can do it, that somehow it's just built into us, that it doesn't matter what's put in front of us, we can just do it. Can I say to you, that's part of the enemy's design to keep men as lone rangers and keep them stuck in their dysfunction, stuck in their ignorance, stuck in their wound for years and years and years. There's men, there's men who are in their 80s and 90s who still have never dealt with their childhood issues in their life and still are being affected by it. Their marriages, if they're still married... Their children, as a result of that wound, because can I tell you, wounded people wound people. One of the most powerful things we can do to men who are fathers when we recognize that they have wounds and because of that, they're wounding their wives or they're wounding their children is to be able to go to them in love and to say, I want to encourage you. You can't deal with this on your own. I couldn't either. You can't do it. One of the best things you can do is to go and get your wounds dealt with so that you can come to a place where you actually love you, where you are healthy, when you know how to love your wife as you love your what? How do you love your wife any better than you love yourself? Can I tell you, when a man does not love himself, his wife reaps the negative benefit. How easy is it to walk up to a man whether it's in the church or in your family, that you recognize has wounds and hurts from his past to walk up and say, I just want to come and tell you in love to be the man that God intended you to be. I want to encourage you to go to a counselor. I want to encourage you to get deliverance. I want to encourage you to deal with that wounding from your childhood, your abuse, your neglect, the father wound. I want to encourage you to do that. How easy is that? How easy? Can I tell you bluntly what the book of Proverbs says? Book of Proverbs says that when you see somebody who's doing something wrong and you say nothing, that is not an act of love, that is an act of hatred because you're leaving them in that wound and that wound will eventually destroy them and through them will destroy a pile of other people. When I see another man who is wounding his wife, wounding his children, stuck in his dysfunction and I say nothing, the Bible says I hate them. I don't care if this is easy. What I'm talking about is if we love people, if you love me, if you love your husband, if you love your father and you see things that are destroying his life, love will cause you to go and say, I need to tell you this in love. You've got to get healed. You need help. And you don't have to be an alcoholic for someone to come to you. You can be a person who doesn't know how to communicate relationally to your wife. You can be someone who doesn't know how to affirm the identity inside of your children. You can be someone who is more concerned about themselves than they are about... You don't have to be an alcoholic. You just have to be wounded. I just want to tell you really bluntly, I feel incredibly blessed to be surrounded by a group of men that if they see me move off track or see me do something... They'll come to me, and I've had men come to me and go, call, I need to talk to you about something. I don't want you to raise your hand, but how many of us had to go to our earthly dads and say, Dad, I need to talk to you about something. There's issues in your life that affected my life. It's affecting your marriage. It's affecting our siblings. There's some issues you need to get dealt with, Dad. And I'm only telling you because I love you. I want you to be the best man you can be. A man who carries his wounds is going to wound There are men in their 50s and 60s who now are coming to a point where they recognize, I have had crap I've carried. It's affected every part of my life. And they're now beginning to go and get help to deal with those wounds and begin to walk free in their 60s, in their 70s. And they go, I should have done this in my teens. Would you write down number three? Would you just write down truth in love? I touched on this already. Jordan Peterson, how many of you know the name Jordan Peterson? Yeah, if you don't know him, go online, listen to him. God has raised him up at our day to be a powerful, he's challenging the system amazingly. Jordan Peterson makes a statement, he says, as a parent, don't ever allow your child to do something that will cause you not to like them. Don't ever allow your child to do something that will cause you not to like them. Because if you don't like them and you leave them in it, a whole pile of other people are not going to like them too. And it's your fault if they're left in it. Isn't that interesting? I got to tell you, I am so thankful that over the years, as we were raising our children, when Jane saw me do things in relationship with our kids that were not healthy, that were not right, and she saw it, she came to me and said, Call, you can't do that. 
you need to change that. You need to change the way you say that. You need to change how you approach that. Can I tell you, she was a sandpaper that caused me to become a better dad. If she would have said nothing, I'd have carried on with all of the stuff that I was doing that was affecting my kids wrong, and I would have taken it and began to do that with other people as well. Can I say, I'm so thankful that Jane was there speaking that truth to me, made me a better dad. But when you have people around you who you open up your life and you're transparent as a man, and they see you do things, they see you say things. I, I want to give you an example that I'll tell you God used in the early years of my ministry. Two pastors were at a pastor's retreat. Literally, true story. They're walking down the street. On the other side of the street is a woman about 400 pounds. And the one pastor looks at the other and said, look at that cow. The other pastor who was standing beside and said, a man of God would never say that. That's all he said. It was the pastor who said, look at that cow, who heard that rebuke, who looks back years later. This was a senior pastor now. He goes, that single rebuke, that single rebuke saved me thousands of embarrassments. And God used that to change my life to make me a better man. Can I tell you what the Bible says? When someone comes to rebuke me or correct me or to point something out in my life and I get angry at them, I don't want to hear that. Who do you think you are? The Bible said it's a fool that responds that way. When someone comes to correct and I won't receive it, it's a, that's a fool because that fool doesn't want to change. They want to remain in that same dysfunction, same wounding. That pastor said, if I wouldn't have heard that rebuke that day, and he goes, I'm so thankful someone had the balls in order to say it to me. He goes, I would have carried on in ministry for life making fun of fat women, making fun of ugly, making fun of that, making fun of that, making fun of different nationalities. He goes, that's how I was raised. He goes, I just did that without thinking. That rebuke changed my life, he said. The Bible says this, if someone comes to rebuke me, and I listen to that and I receive it, it says, I am a man of wisdom. And through that rebuke, I will become even wiser. Can I tell you, there's a lot of men who go, don't you dare point anything out. Don't you dare say anything negative. Don't you dare tell me that there's things in my life I need to change. And for a pile of men, what they experience is when their wife comes to them and points something out, they just get angry, and the wife just shuts down and goes, it's not worth it. It's not worth the abuse. It's not worth the anger. It's not worth him going off and storming for three days. So I just say nothing. Can I tell you, that's a fool. The Bible says that's a fool. I'm a fool to think that I could become the kind of father God intended me to be without anybody speaking into my life. I don't want you to answer this out loud, but I want to ask you a question. Who have you allowed permission to speak into you, to correct you, to point out your blind sides, to show things inside of you that you don't see, to look at you and go, a man of God would never do that. A man of God would never say that. Who have you given permission to? I just want to say straight up, every man who's married, you need to be able to go to your wife and say, I give you permission at any time. You see anything inside of me that is not Christ-like, I ask you to come and tell me in love. And because I'm a wise man, I will receive it and let the Holy Spirit bring change. Would you write down number four? Would you write down encourage the positive? I remember hearing years ago, someone made a statement and said, it's a spiritual gift to be able to point out the negative in people. No, that's not a spiritual gift. That's a design of the enemy. Can I tell you as a teacher, you learn classroom management. One of the things you do, a lot of teachers get caught in when kids are bad they give them attention, they point them out, they give all the, the, even negative attention for some kids is attention, so they will just act up to get it. What I learned is you can begin to control a classroom by absolutely ignoring the negative and by affirming the positive. I would have kids in my classroom, there were other kids that were talking, doing the whole deal. I'd ask a question, there was a kid who would put their hand up, I would look at them, and before I made any other statement, I would say, I just want you to know how much I appreciate you being quiet and listening and raising your hand before you speak. A mature person does that. All of these other ones that are yipping, doing whatever else, they heard that positive statement on the inside. They are screaming to get that kind of positive affirmation. It didn't take very long before those disruptive loud ones are shutting down their mouth. And pretty soon, when it comes time, they put their hand up. And as soon as they put their hand up, I look and I go, I appreciate so much how you remain quiet in the midst of this and that you raised your hand before you spoke. Mature people do that. 
Thank you. Now, what is your question? Without belittling, without running down, by finding the positive, by affirming it, all of a sudden they were drawn to the positive. Can I tell you, it's not just children who do that. When I, as a father, do something positive, when I do something right, and there's people come to me, and they came to me in the grocery store when our kids were little. They came to me when I was biking our kids around. They came to me when they saw the interaction. They came and they went, you're an awesome dad. That was awesome. I just watched how you did that. Can I tell you, did that make me go, well, that's the last time I'm doing that? Or did it go, I'm going to keep on doing that? You give me positive feedback about something, I'm going to do it again, and I'm going to do it again, because that's how we're made. We are made for affirmation. There's a pile of men out there who got married. Some of them have children who, when they were growing up, they got no affirmation. All they got was the negative pointed out. All they got was, how stupid can you be? All they were pointed out was, that's not good enough. That's all that was ever pointed out. Well, guess what they begin doing to their kids? Can I just challenge you with your father? I don't care what place he's at spiritually, what place he's at emotionally. When you find him doing something right, can I challenge you to go to him and say, Dad, that was just awesome what you did. I felt so respected by that. I so appreciate when you did that. You phoned your your grandchild. Can I tell you how awesome that was? Can I tell you? He'll do it again. He'll do it again. I'll do it again. I'll do it again. I want to tell you bluntly, there's a pile of us dads who don't hear the affirmation. We don't hear the praise. We need to. When you see a dad in this body doing something well, you need to go up and go, good job, I just watched that. That was awesome. Would you write down number five? Would you write down forgive and release? Forgive and release. I've told you before I'm not a perfect dad. I've done things that have wounded Jane. I've done things that have wounded my children. That's the given. In imperfectness, we're going to hurt. The issue is after we hurt, what do we do with it? Do you know there are some people out there that have been wounded by their dads and they have never forgiven their dad. They've never released their dad. Yeah, they might still see him, might still talk to them, but on the inside, they have never let that go. Can I tell you what I need as a father in order for me to move on? When I wounded Jane, I needed Jane to come. We needed to work it through and I needed to say to her, I needed to hear from her calling, I forgive you. I release you. I'm not holding that against you. I am putting that in the past, and now we are moving on so that we can move to a new place. Can I tell you, marriages get stuck when there's no forgiveness and release. Parents get stuck when there's no forgiveness and release. When I wound a child, if I don't go to my child or my child doesn't come to me, and we talk it through, and I say, son, would you forgive me for doing that? And they go, dad, I forgive you. Unless we do that, we're stuck. I can't be the father I'm meant to be unless my children release me and allow me to move on to become better. There are some of us in this place who have not released our dads. Some of you, your dads are already dead and you have still not released them. One of the first things that's asked when people come into the healing room on the bottom of the sheet that they have to fill out is, is there anybody you need to forgive? Can I tell you why they ask that? Because they know that there is a pile of people who are physically sick because they have not released a person who has wounded them. Unforgiveness will kill you over time. I have needed to be forgiven over and over and over. I am still going to do things that I will need to be forgiven for. I need that in order for me to continue to grow. I wish we could spend all day in the power of forgiveness. We can't do it. Would you write down number six? It's the last one. Would you write down father figures? Father figures. I want to say this to some of the young couples that are here and some of them that are listening online. One of the hardest things that young moms with children who are married, who have husbands who don't have good relationships with their dads, who are kind of lone rangers, and they recognize that they don't have all the tools to be a good dad. They're struggling with it, and their kids are struggling with it. One of the things that they struggle with the most is that my husband does not have an older man, does not have a father figure, does not have someone that he can talk to, someone who can, he can confide in, someone who can speak into his life, someone who can correct him, someone who can take that father role. Can I tell you, as a father, you have the ability to speak into your son in a way that nobody else does. That's why the enemy goes, let's just wreck that relationship, and all of a sudden they have no one to speak in their life. Can I tell you what I need as a father? I need to have 
older godly men in my life that will come to me, that will be truthful with me, that will model for me, that will pray for me, that will war for me, that will correct me, that will rebuke me, that will speak into my life. A lot of young men go, I'm not giving any older fart the ability to speak into my life. That's their attitude. That's a fool. What I need to become the dad that I need to be is to have someone who's at this level who is my mentor, who can pour into me, speak into me, do what I need a father figure to do because piles of us don't have our earthly dads. We need to have that in a father figure. Can I just say to you, if you're married to someone who doesn't have that, just begin to pray and declare to God. Go, God, I declare that you are bringing a father figure into my husband's life because he is the lone ranger and he doesn't have the tools to be the husband or father that he needs to be. Our lives are being affected by it. And that's not just young dads, that's dads at any age. Can I tell you there are dads who've got kids in their 30s who are still wounded, hurting, not good dads. I wish age could fix this. Fix this. I just wish as men got older that all of a sudden they became healthier dads, they become better husbands. Can I tell you, it's exactly the opposite. Time does not heal all wounds. Time actually entrenches them and makes the consequences worse. I don't want any of you men to raise your hand, but I want to ask you, who is the father figure in your life that you have given permission to speak into you? I don't care if you're 20, and I don't care if you're 50. Who is the father figure? I'll tell you honestly, the majority of women would go, my husband doesn't have one. Majority of men would go, I don't have one. And the enemy goes, I got him. I got him. I think all of us have read the story about the elephants. It's been written up in every men's book. It's been written up for men's ministry for years and years. When the time came that they began capturing elephants, they would go and take the young ones, the juveniles, they would take them off, and they wanted to start in zoos, the whole deal. They found as these young elephants began growing that they went went crazy, they went wild. In the zoos, they would go and they would start killing rhinoceros. They would start killing hippopotamus. They would start killing other animals just for the sake of killing. They, They weren't territorial, whatever. They'd just go for the sake of killing. And they were like, what's going on? How come these young elephants are doing this? They don't do this in the wild. How come they do it here? What they eventually began finding out is unless these young elephants are kept in a herd where there is a boss elephant, a father elephant, who takes them, and when they do their rebellious stuff, that father elephant puts them into place and raises them up to be mature. When you remove that father elephant, that young one goes wild, unaccountable, begins to do major damage. They transfer that over and go, that's exactly the same with men. It's exactly the same with men. I'm the enemy. Break relationship between father and son. Bring a young man to the point where he believes he knows better than his dad. Bring a person to the place where they have no other man speaking into their life. Bring a person, doesn't matter what age, to the place where they have no father figure that's over them. And he goes, I got a young elephant who's on the loose. I would love to be able to tell you this isn't an issue in the church because the moment you come to Christ and you're in the church, none of these issues affect us. I'd love to say that. Can I tell you? That is so far from the truth. You know it and I know it. All of this stuff exists in the church exactly the same as it does in the world. Exactly the same because the wounds are the same. The father issues are the same. The broken relationships are the same. It's all the same in the church as it is outside. I got to tell you, I need you to be the dad God's called me to be. I need you. Every one of you men need all the rest of us in order to become the father that we are meant to be. I want to say thank you again. For those of you on your prayer list who have Jane and I on our family on your prayer list that every day when you go before the Father, you are in your war room and you are praying on our behalf, on my behalf. I got to just say thank you. I got to say thank you to the men who surround that table every second week. Thank you to you men who, who write my name down and write the issues that I've asked you to pray for and pray for a pile of things more than what I've asked you. I know daily, daily, all of you men are, are lifting my name before the Lord. I got to say thank you. Thank you to those of you when you hear me or see me do something that a man of God should not do, you come to me and go, Call, this is hard to do. Can I tell you? Because it's hard when you come, a son comes to a father or a daughter comes to a father. It's a hard thing when a man is coming to his senior pastor and going, I need to talk to you about something. But in that moment, I have the opportunity to be a fool or to be wise. I can say to my kid, Who do you think you are speaking to me? I'm the dad, you're the kid. 
or I can go to my children anytime you see, anytime you experience something in my life that is disrespectful, that is wounding to you, if you see it, you come to me. I need you to come to me because you're going to see things I don't see. I say to Jane, you have permission. Anytime in my life you see anything that is contrary to the man of God I want to be, you come. You tell me. You will never get anger. You will never get a rebuke. You will never say, shut up, woman. I'm not going to hear that. You will get open arms going, thank you. Walking out of that, I'm going to be wiser than I went in. I need you to speak to me. And I want to tell you very soberly, I'm like you. Coming out of my home, a Christian home, a mom and dad who stayed together until dad passed away, I want to tell you, I came out of my home with wounds. I came out of my home with hurts. We, we all do. And I am so thankful on my life journey that there were those who said to me, Colin, you need to get that dealt with. Colin, you need, to, you need inner healing. Colin, you, if you keep doing that, your ministry is going to be on the rocks. Colin, if you keep doing that, your marriage is going to be over. I'm so thankful people came and said, Colin, you've got to get this dealt with. Can I tell you, those people love me. They love me enough to risk relationship with me because they wanted me better. If they would have hated me, they would have seen all of that and said nothing. I need you. Every father in this room needs you. Every man in this room needs you. If father ain't healthy, ain't nobody in that family going to experience what they were meant to be. Father needs to be healthy. Husband needs to be healthy. And he needs you to do it. Would you bow with me in a word of prayer? Dana, could I have you Are you free or you want, you're free? Would you bow with me? Father, we do want to say thank you again that you broke through in all of our lives and brought us to the place of recognizing our need for you as our heavenly father. I want to thank you again that you have become for so many of us a father to the fatherless, though our dads are passed away or even when they're living, not being the fathers they needed to be, you have stepped in and become that for us. But Father, right now, I first release a grace over every father in this room. That Father, you would plant inside of us, first of all, a desire to be what you have called us to be, a desire to be healthy, a desire to be whole, a desire to be the man that our wives and the man that our children need us to be. But Father, before they benefit, we benefit. Father, as you teach us as men to come to a place where we love ourselves, we live with us 24-7. We need that first. I release a grace over every man in this place who is not at the place of loving themselves yet, a place where they're still carrying wounds and hurts from their past, recognizing that it is affecting their worth, affecting their self-love, affecting their marriage, affecting their children, affecting every area of their life. Father, would you release a grace over every one of those men? and begin to stir something inside that will not leave them content to stay where they are, but to go, God, whatever you need to do, God, if I need healing, God, if I need counseling, God, if I need deliverance, God, whatever it is, I'm open. Change me. Without your grace, we're stuck, God. Your heart, Father, is that for every one of us as men that we would have a father or a father figure in our life. We have come to recognize the design of the enemy has been to take the older elephant away and to leave us on our own. We are not ignorant of the enemy's design any longer. We as men need men. We as sons need fathers. And so I prophetically declare your will over every man in this place that you would begin to move heaven and earth and bring every man to the place where not only does he have a desire for a father figure, but Father, you will bring into that man's life, either they will come or that man will seek him out, that they will begin to move into a father-son relationship that will empower them to be who you've called them to be. I declare over every wild, rebellious, alone elephant in this place that your days of independence Your days of being an orphan are over. I prophetically declare that father-son relationship in Jesus' name. And Father, I release a grace over every person under the sound of my voice that we would become what fathers need us to be, not only our fathers. We would begin to war for them. 
in love, we would begin to go to them and say, I just need to share this with you. I believe you need to address this. That's not how men of God speak. That's not what men of God do. And I declare grace as men that we would be open to receive the rebukes that come in love to make us better. Father, our world is reeling because of the brokenness in fathers. We know the only hope is in your family, in your body, for men to rise up and with your empowerment to be what this world is needing us to be. And so would you begin that work in this place today? I prophetically declare that every wound in every man is revealed and it is healed in Jesus' name. I prophetically declare that every man comes to a place where he loves himself the way the Father loves him. I prophetically declare that every marriage in this place is a 12 out of 10. Because father and husband is healthy, the marriage is healthy. I prophetically declare that every child represented in this church experiences a father who loves himself and because of that knows how to love his children. I prophetically declare healthy, godly fathers in this place. Holy Spirit, do what you need to do. We give you permission. Thank you that we are not in bondage to the wounding of our past. Thank you that we can become healthier than our dads were. We can become better husbands than our dads were to their moms, to our moms. And so do it. And in advance, we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. We say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because apart from you, we would be as lost as those in the world. We love you, Father. We need you, Father. Take us as sons and make us like you. I declare over you what you already know, that the Lord has blessed you and he's keeping you. The Lord has caused his face to shine on you and he has been gracious to you. The Lord has lifted up his countenance upon you and filled you his peace. I declare that in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And everybody receiving said, Amen. Have an awesome Father's Day, fathers. Be blessed today. I declare today is a day of transition in every one of our lives, never the same again.